Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. It's October 25th, 2020. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where Reformers for Change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember that good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members and the interests of the membership. Also, we'll probably hear some wisdom from Tom tonight, Hopefully that's going to be the case. Um, Working for a Living is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated by Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM. Listen now. You may also follow us on Twitter. Record level new cases of COVID-19 continue to affect the world, our country, and UAW workplaces. Let us all persist in the prevention of increased cases and avoid another shutdown of our country. The brother Jeff is here in the, uh, you here? No, not yet. We'll hopefully get a chance to hear from Jeff in a little bit. Uh, Let's see, maybe we'll, give him a jingle here because he has a real propensity for it. Oh, what's he said? He said something. Ah, okay. Jeff, jump right out there, buddy. (laughs) All right. He'll be here in a second. Uh, Let's see. Um, Well, first uh, we're going to go through some emails. First one is Jeff's voice sounded great. In the last show, what did he do? Uh, that came from many, and their names were withheld to protect the innocent from Jeff. <laughs> so, just kidding, Jeff. We know you're uh, working hard to sound better on the show, and you've done some real interesting things. Jeff, uh, uh, are you able to get in, Jeff? We having the same problem we had a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. Maybe I know I got the notes to him a little late. Maybe he's reviewing them. Nothing too big about it. So we'll wait a second for him. Bring him on. He's got some interesting things to tell you about the last week or so with himself. And he, uh, I don't know what's going on. I hope we don't have the same problem we had a couple of weeks ago where callers couldn't get in, including our own team.
sound, so we'll see. Well, I can answer that, but we'll, we'll watch for him and see when he can come on. Meantime, we'll move on with the show. Uh, thank you for the uh, email and message number two. Thank you for the insight regarding the endorsement and what it means to all of us members and why it is important to vote for our own interest as well as how important it is to vote for local offices. Well, thank you for that. I'm glad you took that away from our last show and we actually ran it as an encore show because we thought it was that important last week. Uh, so uh, we'll uh, um, you know, just keep plugging away at that kind of message for you until election day. Uh, and that's nine days away. Uh, so, um, okay, this one, the third one is, thanks for making it easy to listen to the, the debate on my phone. Oh, yeah, well, you're welcome. You know, we, we put that, uh, the two presidential debates on uh, workingforaliving.com uh, so that anybody that wanted to, and we posted that out, so that if you saw it on any of the pages, we post out to a bunch of them, um, that you could just uh, go and listen to it if you were at work or, you know, someplace where you didn't have a TV or Internet. Um, if you're out camping or something like that, you could uh, still listen to the debate. Uh, and I know it's getting a little late for camping for some people, but, you know, it's still going on. Aha, there's our friend Jeff. Let's see if we can get him on Hi, Jeff. Hi, Leroy. Sorry about that. How are you that. doing? I forgot what... I'm doing good. <laughs> I, forgot the I forgot to look at the clock. No, I forgot <laughs> what time it was. <laughs> yeah, it's that time, 7 o'clock. You know, it keeps getting you know, darker and darker, so it's easy to kind of forget. It used to be kind of when, when it was getting darker, you know, so it was a nice little... And mm-hmm. but now it's pretty much full full dark around here at seven o'clock. So, um, yep. so how was how was your week, Jeff? We've been a couple weeks since we've been live. Although last week, you know, as you know, we reran uh, the other show. How how you doing? I'm doing a little bit better today. Um, I was in the hospital for three days last week, but uh, I am doing better. So. Just one day at a time. Right, yeah. And, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, part of not having a show last week was in deference to that, but also we wanted, we thought that message about the endorsement and and that uh, was very important so that those that didn't get a chance to listen to it were able to, uh, because I went down through uh, that pretty pretty detailed and, and gave a couple examples of as to why it, it helps you uh, when you support your union. But like we said, we, we never demand or tell anybody how to vote. Uh, we only educate you on these are the people that we have a relationship with or our union has a relationship with, and likely if something uh, needs to be corrected, fixed, adjusted, you know, in the government, or if you're having issues with the bureaucrats, that uh, somebody can rise up and 
and give you some essential justice in that regard. So, well, in other words, they have a relationship with them. You know, it's good for union leaders to have a relationship with elected officials so they can help, help the membership and stuff. Yeah. So, but uh, so you're you're feeling better. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, I know everybody around is, is that, that knows about that has, you know, been praised, you know, giving you prayers and praising your tenacity to get better. So, uh, and it was nothing to do with COVID or anything like that, folks. He didn't have it, uh, so he's he's all good. He just had a moment and uh, had to be hospitalized, and now he's out and feeling pretty good. So, uh, around here, uh, it's been kind of busy. Uh, as well, uh, I had campaign finance reports going on, uh, and I got got uh, re- reports done uh, and submitted. Uh, they were due Friday, so it's it's a big deal uh, to get that. I had some other things to clean up in regard to uh, paperwork. Lots of phone calls from members on their own personal issues and we're you know happy to take those and give you some guidance uh and uh we wish everybody that's called in the very best regarding that but we don't make those public because of the uh uh you know the privacy necessity so uh but there's you know there's some uh really you know really bad things going on some of the members uh, and it's you know quite quite disturbing, in fact. Uh, and we've hit on them a little bit in the past, but I don't want to get into those. But that took up quite a bit of time on the phone. In addition to getting all this stuff done, I've uh, also uh, walked personally this election cycle. Uh, I've I've walked uh, in Traverse City in Kalamazoo. Battle Creek, uh, the Lansing area, Williamston uh, area, and um, I've been uh, out supporting uh, Alyssa Slotkin in her lip drops, and somewhere there's a photo of me and her uh, bumping elbows or something, you know, so certainly support uh, my own congresswoman uh, to that regard. Um, Again, Jerry uh, uh, Hilliard is running for the uh, the fourth congressional district north of Lansing up to Harrison, pretty wide district. And a little shout out to Jerry if anybody's up in that district, you know, consider him. Uh, like I said, I don't tell you how to vote, but uh, I've known him some 52 years, and he's a good, good man. Come from a labor family, he's educated himself, and he's highly qualified to be doing the job of Congress. So. Get a chance, uh, you know, give them a nod. You know, it's up to you and, uh, and, and your own personal preferences, but uh, I know him to be a good guy. So, um, what else is going on? My townships are all wrapped up because they're just all going to be acclimated. Nobody's running against them from the other party. And we have uh, uh, some contested races. The woman that's running against Wahlberg. Uh, Christy something. I just apologize. I don't know her name. I haven't met her. Uh, real nice woman. Wahlberg's been uh, a congressman for a while, and he's voted on virtually everything against labor. So 
uh, if you're listening to this show and you know anybody in his district, that's the seventh district, give him give him some consideration or give her some consideration because uh, Wahlberg hasn't been a friend of labor at all. And um, you know, I'm, he was around uh, shortly after I uh, was the elected official uh, in that regard, and he. Uh, uh, he didn't treat my predecessor, my successors, very well. So um, I know that firsthand. So let's let's work on people that that help our our membership and our leaders that try and talk with them. I mean, if they won't even talk with us, how can we get? You know, if you need help, how can we get it for you? You know, other than go to another district and then you know that gets real sticky because those districts say they don't belong to me. You know, they're not my constituent. I'm not going to do that, but. In the end, they do. Uh, but they, you know, they get twisted in your own little circle, you know, because other Congress people, other senators or House reps uh, don't like somebody else coming in their district. So that's, you know, I guess their protocol, professional courtesy. So, uh, so Jeff, we had the question about why you sounded so great. In the last show, uh, everybody wants to know what you're doing there, buddy. I finally went through puberty. <laughs> At 61, I finally went through it. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, I got a new way. <laughs> yeah. Um i got a headset now that uh, really works good, much better good. than my hearing aids did. So, well, good. Thank you. Good. Yeah, we're, we're happy to, to, to get that and uh, that everybody's hearing it clearer. Uh, and and uh, that's, that's a nice thing. So uh, you uh, keep up the good work there, Jeff. So and I think we talked about the uh, one with the endorsements and the debate. I was finishing that up when you came on. So um, I'm going to go through the definition. Well, go ahead, Jeff. You have more comments? No. No. Okay. Go ahead. All right. We'll go through the definition then. Uh, This is worth repeating from last week. Uh, Definition of of corruption, and there seems to be a lot of that going on, uh, you know, in in a lot of uh, venues. Uh, in organizations, not to pick on our own too much, because uh, we'll get into that a little later. Uh, but uh, one, there's like four of them. Uh, one is dishonest or, or illegal behavior, especially by powerful people. Inducement to wrong by improper or unlawful means. A departure from the original or from what is pure or correct. The process by which something, typically a word or expression, is changed from its original use or meaning to one that is regarded as erroneous or debased. And we have an example. When interpreting the UAW Constitution, one may not add or omit words to suit your purpose. For example, you may not say a retiree cannot appeal when the Constitution is void of the word appeal only 
that it, in certain instances retirees may not vote. Otherwise, retirees have full membership rights. So that's something that you cannot add to the Constitution. You can't say, you know, the, or you can say that, rightfully so, that a retiree may not vote uh, on an office that uh, handles grievances and may not hold that office that handles grievances at the local union level only. May not start or start stop a strike. Those, those, that one, uh, those four there so far, and may not vote to ratify an agreement. Uh, so those are the things that may not vote on. The word appeal does not uh, appear anywhere uh, regarding the retirees' ability to appeal. In fact, uh, Public Review Board case number one four nine nine says. It's actually the preferred remedy rather than an Article 31 charge is to use a Article 33 appeal. So it's not only uh, allowed, but it's the preferred remedy. And I don't know where some of these people want to change the UAW Constitution, but that's one of the things that comes to mind. So. Uh, that's uh, the definition of corruption and a couple of examples. Uh, Jeff, you have a, a quote here that seems to be apropos for uh, pretty much everybody in the country right about now. So uh, let you take that on. Okay, this week's quote. I have no intention of representing those powerful interests who walk over powerless people. And that's Congressman William Clay Sr. I don't never heard of him, but it's a good quote. I didn't know where he come from, but uh, he's uh, you know he's, he's well. Well, he had several quotes in in that uh, whole little area, and uh, just quite the guy. He's really sticking up for for the little people, you know. So. Uh, you know, I'd really like to see that. Don't see Tom around yet, but we'll we'll see if Tom wants to type in here a little later. He had some stuff going on. He and I talked at length regarding uh, some things going on and uh, might just get talked out. So uh, go ahead and give your report, Jeff, if you want. I know you had something that's kind of close to your, uh, to you uh, on this and uh, in uh, – um, you can go ahead and uh, expound on that if you want, sir. Um, now I'll just go into the report. Um, today um, we're going to talk about human trafficking. Um, my area of Michigan is has a high uh, rate of human trafficking because we're so close to two different freeways, um, Detroit River, and it's a small town. And we've had some people missing. Um, two months ago, we had a 15-year-old boy here in Flat Rock disappear. Luckily, they found him three weeks later, and he was safe. But we also have a major, major truck stop, one of the biggest in the country, 
probably about three miles from here. So it's we really are asking everybody to look out for one another, especially in these uh, grocery store or big chain stores parking lot. If you see a mother or anybody walking to back to their vehicle and there's a white van or any other van uh, around, please watch. It seems like all these people are disappearing um, this, this way around here. Uh, somebody has a van with no windows. Looks more like a construction type truck with ladders and stuff. Uh, so watch them as they get in their vehicle and make sure they're safe. I know I've been carrying my pistol around for quite a while with this. Um, every day, it seems like one of my family members posting someone who else, someone who has just been reported missing. Um, so please, watch out for your brother, man, woman, child. It could happen anywhere at any time. So um, just be part of the problem. Uh, be part of the solution, not the problem. Um, so please, please help out. Uh, next one is the importance of voting. As well, we've you, all Jeff, I'd like seen to, over. Jeff, can I can I say something more on that human trafficking, real briefly? I was I was driving down um, one of the streets in in the uh, area. And I uh, happened to see a car in front of me that that had a woman at every uh, traffic light uh, open the door, and she seemed to be, um, you know, like she was in drunk or drugged or something, and she tried to get out of the car each time, three times at three different lights. So I called right away, and I kept following, and the police picked the car up, and I don't know what the outcome was, but, uh, uh, you know, just be aware of the cars around you, even if you're driving. If somebody's trying to get away from another person by opening the door and trying to climb out and she gets pulled back in, you know that's not a good situation. Call the police. 911 they'll you know they'll respond immediately they know this is a serious problem so i've uh, affected several uh rescues as well uh, in other means so uh, this is very serious now was, was that young uh, one question follow up question to your report was that young boy was he actually abducted jeff or did he uh, just some some other reason they have released any details on that, Leroy, other than he was uh, back home with his family. Um, okay. Um, well, another so, thing, that, yeah. thing that police ask for is if you're driving down the road and a car pulls up and there's a lady in it and she puts her hands on the win- window, if there's a black circle on her hand, that means she's asking for help. Um, that's been going on for a while. And uh, we, we do need to stop this human trafficking thing. Right. So. Right. Okay. 
Of course, we all know November 3rd is Election Day. Please get out and vote. Make your plan, like they say on TV, either by mail, in person, um, on November 3rd, or you can go to your county clerk, city clerk, anytime and vote there. Please, this is uh, this election that's too important to sit on the sidelines. So please get out and vote. Um, uh, let's see. What we have seen in this election cycle, the left to right and even live Zoom aspiration by journalists. Well, it depends on what newscast uh, you watch and make your own choice who you want. I think most of the country has already made their decision, but please get out there and vote by any way you can. I voted by mail. I plan to continue to do so for the rest of my life. It's not that hard. And voting by mail and absentee voting is the same thing, no matter what you know who says. Um, but that's my report, Leroy. Yeah, there's there's nine days to go, and there's even even crazier stuff to happen. I mean, Jeff, I I that that uh, that journalist that just on on a live Zoom, you know, just started you know playing masturbation style. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I told somebody that, and they said, what? <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. Oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, the guy apologized. He said, I'm sorry. You know, like nothing happened. <laughs> he lost his, the two jobs that he had. He's lost both of them, I think. So kind of sad, mm-hmm. but... Uh, you know, I don't know what drives somebody to do that after a Zoom meeting. <laughs> he thought it was over. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, well, let's see what Tom has to say about that. He just popped in to see if we can get him on here. Please welcome Mr. Bro- and Brother Tom Albrecht to the show. Hi, Tom. Good evening, Leroy. Uh, I uh, sort of got in here late. I had some things I had to do, but uh, I've seen it popped up on my uh instant messenger that uh, there was going to be a show tonight. Uh, I didn't catch the last statement. I got the laughter, but uh, if you wanted me to comment on something, give me a uh, synopsis as to what transpired. Oh, oh. well, we were talking about, you know, we've seen it all this year, you know, because, you know, typically we see the left and the right are fighting and all the ads you know, you know, after this one and after that one, and they drag in their support groups and the ones they hate, you know, and and then we got the pleasure of hearing this guy on a Zoom meeting with his colleague, hearing about it, that he just started, you know, thought the thing was over and turned it off, but it was still on, and I don't know what drives somebody to sit in their office chair and start masturbating, but he did on live Zoom. <laughs> Got any comments? <laughs> no, I, uh, I I didn't I didn't see that one, but uh, it sounds to me probably tucking his T-shirt in, knowing it, it was he a reporter or a politician? 
is a re- this was a reporter. Yeah, he's, he's been he's taken got, off the White House. Been <laughs> he was tucking his shirt in. All right, we'll give him that. <laughs> oh Lord! Well, it, 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 isn't that what? Uh, isn't that what the uh, president's counsel uh, said when he was on that movie uh, screenshot there? He was uh, talking to a 15-year-old, supposedly 15-year-old girl, and he was uh, at the end of the screenshot there. I think it was a Brock movie or Brock or whatever the heck they call that guy. And uh, he, he said he was just tucking his shirt in after he pulled the wires out from the microphone shooting the, the scene he was tucking his shirt in. You yeah. didn't see that one? Okay. No, I, I, I didn't. I, you know, I, I don't watch television actually, uh, uh, and I'm probably a better person for it. I think I, I don't get jaded by all this stuff and get so angry that I go on Facebook and start you know, regurgitating all of that stuff. So, um, and and there's a lot of people been called to account over this. You know, some of them their Facebook pages are getting locked up and. You know, discipline in the plant, and oh my, you know, geez. and some of them yeah, well, little to no reason. You know, so, yeah. well, people are crazy out there. They go crazy, and uh, you know, you, 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 they jump at uh, the, the smallest of things to uh, make a point that's pointless, to tell you the truth. But uh, no, that's that's actually a movie that is on Amazon Prime. Uh, where uh, that uh, scene was shot, so uh, it's, it wasn't. I guess it oh. is television. Uh, it's live streaming, is what they call it. Now we we got to get up with the times, Leroy. You know, us old timers. We yeah, I know about live streaming. I I got that. I just I, you know I dismissed that one. I guess <laughs> I can't can't watch everything. <laughs> yeah. Keep up. So, Keep so, <laughs> what did I miss? Leroy, in the conversation, I hear Jeff out there, and I'm glad to hear your voice, Jeff. And I, 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 I want to congratulate you. It looks like uh, this year we may have a competitive uh, competition come uh, around Thanksgiving. Uh, your team looked pretty good the other night. Yeah, they did. Um, glad they won. They looked good. They got a really good um, running back. It'll be good. Good to watch. I miss the days of uh, just watching Bo and Woody on the sidelines. <laughs> Carry on like they did. Well, they, they, had, they had a personal relationship, uh, very competitive individuals. Uh, they uh, worked together for several years and uh, mm-hmm. great coaches. You can't you can't take it away from their 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 big hearts and competitive spirits. I mean, they they wanted to win and uh, they had uh, mutual respect for each other though, through the years. So it it, it was yes. a good rivalry. Those two were around. Yeah. It, it right. was worth watching yeah. them in the game. Uh, yeah, you were. One, you one remember of my that Ohio friends. State? Gretchen. You remember the Ohio State running back, probably about 20 years, who got kicked off the team for doing something illegal? Um, Corey's, is that his name? Uh, Maurice, Maurice Claret, I think, is who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. But it wasn't 
Yeah, it wasn't yeah. 20 years ago, Jeff. And then we had another running back from, uh, and Leroy knows who I'm going to mention here, uh, Binky Hake. You remember Binky Hake? Leroy, I'm from mm. Gerard. Oh, yeah, there, yeah, Leroy? yeah, yeah. Yeah, can yeah, you hear me? Yeah, I, I yeah. hear you. But I, I, hear I, knew, you. I, knew, I knew Maurice Claret's father, who's now passed. Uh, and he's I've met him a couple times uh, through uh, James McCullough. Jody Mack, uh, he, yeah. he went. He went to Mooney. Yeah, but uh, didn't Claret go to Mooney too? Uh, no, Where he, he uh, actually uh, he grew up on the South Side. Uh, he went to uh, uh, high school actually and played for uh, Pitch High School. He went out there oh, on the West Side to open enrollment and, and ended up playing for uh, Austin Town Pitch. Okay, all right. Yeah, he he was a great player. He's down in Akron now, I understand, so see how he does. Yeah, he's doing great work in the community, uh, and uh, he's uh, turned his life around 100%, and uh, he, he's a uh, very uh, good individual to have come to groups of young people uh, that are not only athletes, but uh, from all walks of life and in in trying to show people and, and explain to people uh, and keep them on the right path to uh, make sure their futures become very successful, uh, not only through education, but through possibly going through trade schools and what have you. He's doing great things in, in the community for uh, a lot of people, and he travels all over the state of Ohio. Right. So anybody that's out there that would like him to come to your group, uh you know, we don't have direct contact with Maurice Claret, but we can get a message to him from your group if you want him there, and uh, just reach out to us, and we'll we'll try and help facilitate that. Because I know a couple people uh, that are close to the Claret family, and we can get him a message. And and Tom, uh, I'm sure you can get something to him as well. Uh, so, but if anybody's listening and and has a need like that, uh, you know, reach out to us, and we'll try and try and help you with it. So, I mean, that, that's good for him and good for the community as well. So, uh, I'm, glad, you I'm glad he's remember, well. Do you remember, um, I can't remember what he was charged with, but when he went to court, he said, was in front of Judge Hayes, which was Woody Hayes' son. There in Columbus, and I thought, well, there goes his career. Woody wouldn't tolerate it, so I don't think his son would either. <laughs> yeah. I got a little bit of trivia. A friend of mine uh, from this area uh, grew up in Cleveland, and his father was on. It was an attorney. Um, Devineau was his last name and he was on the Ohio State Board of Trustees uh, during the Woody Hayes uh, event there when he went out on the field and uh, touched another player and um, that uh, Devineau was the only person 
when they held their meeting in Florida to to assess because they had to, they were at a bowl game or something when they held the meeting to assess what to do with Woody. He was the only one that voted for Woody. Devin was so uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of trivia there. You know, in the end, Woody had an office. He could he could I uh, was close enough to see the, uh, the stadium, so he could you know watch all the practices and and uh, you know see the stadium. Uh, you know, if you didn't want to go to the game, but I think they had him in a, a special spot to watch the games if you wanted. So, uh, Woody was, he was an interesting guy, you know, and I mean, I, I just, him and Bo, both of them, uh, it was, a, it was a, a, you know, a time of football that I don't know that we'll ever see that again. There's some pretty good rivalries, but they were just a couple of old soldiers out there doing doing their thing, and they were re- <laughs> real, real good at it. You know? And it yeah, they were. Big, uh, uh, big two, little eight for the Big Ten. That's how that's how dominant it was yeah. to be. So yeah. it's kind of fun. Now, so. Bowl, but, you know, I heard Bo had, okay. had a piece of joint down there in Columbus. I don't know the, how true I, that is, but that's what I heard when I was younger. I don't know. Tom might know more about that than I do. I missed that, Leroy. What's that? Jeff said that Bo had a pizza place down there in Columbus. <laughs> I, I really don't you know. Bo, Bo said like, <laughs> I, I, I can't recall it, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know, like anything else, I don't know. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> um, as long as we're on football, and one one quick one here, and I don't have an axe to grind with either school necessarily, although you know my family settled north of Fort Pitt in 1720, 300 years ago this year, uh, and most of Pittsburgh is named after my family because of that, the north side at least, I mean, where they were. But So I have a little Pennsylvania in me, I suppose, but uh, not not like uh, uh, probably a, uh, one of the presidential candidates. <laughs> so, but, uh, Penn State played Indiana, and they had the chance to win the game. They had like, you know, 100 seconds left. And if you take a knee, that's 35 seconds. So three knees is, uh, you know, 35 times three is 105 seconds. So all they had to do was take a knee three times, Penn State. And they won the game. But they got their little bravado up in the air, and they're going to score some points and leave some time on, on the clock. And Indiana come out and took great advantage of that. And in what, double overtime, come in there and and scored uh, with another two-point in the, uh, uh, the second overtime that wasn't required. And they they scored the two points and won by a point, beating Penn State uh, for the first time at home since 1967, where they beat a uh, top ten school at home. Uh, so that that was quite a quite a game. And uh, Tom and I happened to be on the phone a little bit back and forth uh, during that, and uh, it was uh, uh, interesting just to, to uh, you know be able to. Uh, take uh, note of that. So uh, kudos to Indiana for one heck of a game. Probably the biggest mistake of the century or maybe this this um, this century, uh, 2020 or 21, um, was Penn State not taking a knee. 
take three knees and went in the game. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and I said to Tom, I said, you know, Tom, they got a hundred, they got a hundred seconds left. I don't know. We'll see what happens here. If they're gonna, and and he said they're they're running a play. I'm going, oh my. <laughs> so, oh well. <clears throat> Anyhow, um, anything else on football? Lions I, I, Go ahead. Yeah. I just wanted to say the Lions won. I can't say oh, that every good. weekend. Go ahead, Two, two in a row. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> two in a row. Tom, you got any yeah, more on Two in a row. No, no. Uh, Jeff, I thought you were from Ohio originally. No. You, Ohio was one of my last stops when I got out of school. Um, I lived in 10 different states. And, no, wait a minute. I went to school in 10 different states. And uh, I was originally born in California. That's an army brat. Oh. Was one of your stops Ohio, though? Say what? Were one of the stops in Ohio? Yes, down there in the valley. A little coal mining town called Caddis. Yeah, I don't know. uh, Home of Clark Gable. South of Youngstown, quite a bit. Yes. 60, 70 miles. Yeah, Yeah, it's uh, 25 miles from Steubenville. You know where that's at? Oh yeah, right down the street from me. Yeah, we're uh, <laughs> southeast of Steubenville. That's how far I had to go to get a McDonald's. Twenty-five miles. And you had to walk two miles to school. Uphill in snow. Yeah. And uphill in the snow too, right? <laughs> yep. No one That's the truth. It's uphill both ways, right? <laughs> yeah. You go no up one hill, you go back down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys, uphill and snow. <laughs> okay. All right. We got to get on with the show, and I'll have a little something here to say about all this in, in a minute. Uh, the headline on it was the U, U, uh, CMJ, that's a Universal Code of Military Justice, uh, and, and kind of what that means to other organizations. Uh, and uh, I want to explain uh, what the universal, the uh, um, first of all, what the oath of office is for an enlisted person uh, going into the military. It says... <clears throat> I, state your name, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice so help me God. You'll notice 
there is no expiration date on that oath of oath of enlistment. Okay. Now, what is the Uniform Code of Military Justice that you have to abide by? Okay. The Uniform Code of Military Justice is a federal law enacted by the United States Con Con Congress and is the foundation for the United States military justice system. The UCMJ was first established in 1950, obviously after World War II, and underwent major revisions in 68 and in 1983. Most importantly regarding this subject, Article 90, Section 2 of the UCMJ states, in part, a military person who willfully disobeys a lawful, a lawful command of his superior commissioned officer shall be punished. Now, th that lawful, that little distinction there, a lawful command, okay, uh, that's, that's rather important because you're not supposed to follow unlawful commands, and you're told that in your training subsequent to your oath of office. Follow all lawful orders and not follow unlawful orders. Okay? Now, the UCMJ actually protects the soldier in this situation for an unlawful order as he, she, has a moral and legal obligation to the Constitution and not to obey unlawful orders and the people who issue them. These have been strong examples of direct violation of the Constitution and the UCMJ and not the military's own opinion. Military leaders such as Lieutenant General Shane McFarlane have spoken out to affirm that the U.S. military will not commit war crimes. We are bound by the laws of armed conflict. And you know at the end of the day, it doesn't only matter if you win, it matters how you win. Both international and domestic courts have a robust history of convicting service members who carried out unlawful orders. For example, when former Nazis claimed to have just been following orders, this defense was unequivocally rejected during the Nuremberg trials. I lived just north of Nuremberg when I was in the military for a brief, brief time. I lived just north of uh, in, in uh, what's the town called Firth, uh, F-U-R-T-H, it's pronounced Firth, Firth for most, most of you. Okay, so, so that establishes that you're required to uh, honor and obey lawful orders, but not unlawful orders. And when it's all said and done, it matters how you conducted yourself, especially if you're doing such things that are so bad, like the Nuremberg trials, and just simply say, I, I was just following orders. Well, there's a lot of things you're not supposed to follow, and... Uh, your uh, uh, measure for that, the test of it, is that if it viol in the in the case of the UCMJ, 
if it violates the Constitution of the United States. You uh, may not uh, uh, follow that order uh, if, it's on, if it violates the Constitution of the United States. So um, let's see. I think we're going to uh, do that, I think. Did that help? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and uh, so I um, want to get back to the uh, uh, oath of membership. Now, this isn't the oath of office. This is the UAW oath of membership, initiation into the UAW. I, state your name, pledge to honor, to faithfully observe the Constitution and laws of this union. And the Constitution of the United States, or Canada as may be the case, to comply with all the rules and regulations of the government thereof, not to divulge or make known any private proceedings of this union, to faithfully perform all the duties assigned to me to the best of my ability and skill to to so conduct myself at all times so as not to bring reproach upon my union. Some people really ought to listen to that one. And, to, and at all times to bear true and faith allegiance to the International Union, United Automobile, Aerospace, and Agricultural Implementation, Implement Workers of America, UAW, end quote. So you're supposed to abide by the the uh, Constitution of the UAW and the Constitution of the United States. But it also says uh, in our UAW Constitution, Article 2, Section 4, it in part says to, to enforce existing laws, to work to repeal those which are unjust to labor, to work for legislation on a national scale as having it as object the as object the establishment of real and social and unemployment ins insurance, the expense to which to be borne by the employer and the government, not the worker. So uh, what that sort of, let's see if we get that, if that stopped or not. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we, um, uh, we have the obligation to follow as UAW members and other leaders in the in the community. Okay, uh, we we have the obligation to uh, follow the Constitution and the laws. And it's not good enough to say I was just following orders. I'm just doing what I was told to do. Because if it's wrong that you were told to do something, stand up and tell the person telling you that it's wrong and I'm not going to do it. I know it's hard to do that with the repercussions and reprisals that come to follow behind all of that, okay? But believe me, when the judgment day comes, and it's not far down the road. The excuse that I was only doing what I was told to do or I'm only doing what I'm told to do is unacceptable. 
It's unacceptable. So you can't just be told to do something that's wrong and then say, well, I'm just doing what I'm told. I wrote a big, you know, or I wrote a great big opinion that changed the Constitution of the UAW, and everything in it was wrong. But I was just being told what to do, doing what I was told to do, is not an excuse in the end. Not an excuse. And for those of you who are doing such things that violate the UAW Constitution and the rules of law, you have a moral and civic obligation and a union obligation to your fellow brother and sister not to follow illegal, unlawful orders. If it violates the Constitution of our union or the United States or any of the laws thereof, you can't do it. So, uh, with that said, let me let me ask. I'll, I'll ask Jeff first because Jeff, I think he was having a snack. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> you, Hi. You got a comment on that? <laughs> um. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of what happened over the summer with that Navy captain who was sick with COVID, and he was told to keep the ship out in sea and he disobeyed that order and docked somewhere out on the west coast and they turned around and fired that captain remember that yep i do he was trying they to save his crew yeah yeah right. i i got well, into an argument with a friend of mine yeah yeah i got an argument go, with the uh, go ahead one of my friends over that who were happened to be ex-military and they said that he was wrong, he shouldn't have done it and I'm thinking, yeah, I think he did the right thing um, by doing what he did. He was just trying to save his crew. So, so that's that's one thing I could think of, Larry. Well, that's, you're exactly oh. right, Jeff. I mean, there's people on both sides of that argument but in mm-hmm. the end, he was mm-hmm. following the Constitution not to put anybody in further harm's way and try and mitigate exactly. it to the point where they could get uh, ad- more advanced medical care onto the ship. And they weren't about to bring everybody on, on shore, but they wanted to get into shore so they could get uh, you know, proper medical attention for cause the, 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 the uh, crew. The, you know the uh, the medical facilities on a, on a ship are limited, uh, and when you have a pandemic going on on a ship, you have you're going to need more help than what you have. You're not going to just allow your members, you know, that your your soldiers, that your sailors in this case, that you're you're responsible for, uh, to just sit there and die mm-hmm. when unnecessarily right. when medical care is you know just a, a little ways away by docking and letting medical crews, you know, additional medical crews with more equipment come on board. 
you know, they weren't attempting to, you know, go out and, uh, you know, send it out into the community by letting everybody off. But now, I mean, you know, you look back and the dog on a lot of the leadership saying, don't even worry about a mask, you know. So, uh, but in this this instance, I don't, they relieved him of his, of his command, but I think he kept his, his uh, rank and I don't know if he went ahead and retired or not. Uh, I don't believe he got any further discipline. I don't know that that was necessarily discipline relieving him of his command, uh, you know, in a sense is, but he wasn't. Uh, you know, charged to my knowledge. Uh, you know, I didn't follow it beyond the fact that, you know, when he got off the ship, I didn't know what happened after that. I kind of lost track of yeah. that. So whatever occurred there. But but that transcends into pretty much every other uh, entity, business entity, nonprofit, for-profit. You know, you uh, do not follow unlawful orders. Okay, you shouldn't be doing it. Okay, if somebody is out there loaning $61 million and, and you were cajoled into doing it or reporting it after the fact, then that's following an unlawful order if they loaned it improperly or if it was transacted improperly. And you're still covering up. That's a cover-up. Okay? Not a good thing. Not a good thing. So just saying, don't be following unlawful orders. If somebody tells you to do something, you know, whether you're in, in the United States military, you know, you're a corporate executive, you're a union uh, officer, you know, do the right thing. It's never wrong to do the right thing. So, uh, having said that, Tom, do you have anything to add to that report? Well, touching on what you just said, what you finished up with, and Jeff was 100% correct when he made an analogy with the the military officer, but uh, there is an ethical code, I believe, and practices uh, within the UAW Constitution, and when... Uh, our officers, our presidents at the local level and the international level, all take an oath of office to uphold the, the uh, Constitution and make sure it's implemented fairly across the board. And I don't know, I'm a retiree. I don't know how many retirees are out there sitting around listening to this program tonight or will listen to it tomorrow. But, Leroy, I think you could jump in here. And, and you know, I'm not as uh, scholarly with the, the Constitution like some people out here are. And I learned from those people. But I would just take one instance, our, our, our pensions, which are now currently in our UAW contract, and I believe benefits part of it. And, uh, and it's uh, pretty much patterned the language states in there, the Pension Protection Act of 2006, which is a federal mandate. And I still don't know how that got in there. And they say, we don't have a right to bitch about it. We don't have a voice in our union. And uh, I think we were talking a couple weeks ago, Leroy, you and I, one night on the phone. And uh, I asked you a question about uh, how many times do they reference retirees in the Constitution. And uh, somehow you come up with this number. I guess you plug it into some kind of random 
thing that uh, goes through the whole Constitution within seconds on your computer, and you came back with me 155 times. But yet when I write an appeal or somebody else writes an appeal, they say we as retirees can't appeal that. And, uh, you know, what voice does a retiree have anymore? And I think if you read the Constitution, I think you could find a lot of fault with a lot of people out there that currently hold positions, whether they be appointed positions or elected positions within the UAW, especially up, up the food chain, that could do a much better job a much better job of representing not only the uh, uh, active members of this union, but the vast majority over uh, the last number I heard, somewhere around 400,000 retirees, representing them uh, within the Constitution. Now, I don't know how many of that 400,000 were of the big three, but I would imagine it's quite a big chunk uh, of people uh, not so much now. I think there's only about 49,000 people in, in, in General Motors. I don't know in the other uh, two groups. But, I, I mean, if, if you look at that, how in the hell aren't these people being brought up on charges for violating their ethical practices? Or the, the, the very thing they swear allegiance to to protect us all, whether we're active or retiring. Because we're still members of the UAW by the Constitution, the way I read it. Uh, you you might want to well, jump in I, here and bail me out getting in here too yeah, deep or over the, my head. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you're you're exactly right, Tom. Uh, uh, in in the 155 uh, occurrences of a retiree, when you read each one of those, which I have done, it in no way ever says that a retiree may not appeal. Article, make an, an appeal under Article 33, <clears throat> or any other appeal. If uh, uh, there's four, actually, I believe the uh, Article 32 ethical practices, uh, and then the that is an ethical practices violation. But the actual uh, appeal for that, or, or violate or claiming of a violation of ethical practices, is found in Article 32. And then you have Article 31 that brings charges, and that reverts to an Article 33 upon appeal. And then you have Article 33 itself, and of course then you have Article 38 uh, that is um, uh, a protest of an election, uh, wrongdoing or improper uh, activities in an election. And that includes anybody that might be prohibited or barred, rather, uh, under um, uh, Title 29 U.S. Code 504, which prevents anybody who's been, uh, has allegiance to the communist or fascist party, also uh, anybody that has certain felonies regarding uh, union monies or financial problems uh, along those lines. They may not hold office, uh, they're barred from office for 13 years from the end of the sentence. Very well familiar with that over time in my uh, own writings. Uh, So uh, those are the appeals, and it doesn't exist. In fact, I I referenced uh, Public Review Board case number 1499 earlier 
and that case actually was uh, Dearborn Ford, local union 500, where uh, a gentleman, uh, not the famous one, or was our president, but another brother that was retired by the name of Bob King. This is all public information, by the way. Uh, Bob King was a, uh, uh, a retiree who wanted to run for financial secretary. And as it turns out, uh, the financial secretary at that local has duties for grievance handling. And therefore, because of the prohibitions on, that are proper uh, in the UAW Constitution under Article 6, Section 19, referencing Article 45, uh, the, the brother was not allowed to vote for or hold the office of financial secretary for local 500. And I'm, 600, I'm sorry, 600. I, I misspoke, misspoke. So article, or, uh, local union 600 at, at Fort Dearborn Fort. So uh, then he got a, a wild hair about it all. He got a little upset about it. And he brought Article 31 charges against several of the uh, leadership, including the election committee. And they were found to be uh, just, just doing their job. And in the uh, international's position in the article, or in the PRB 1499, the international's position at that time, the International Executive Board, they said it twice in their decision uh, on the answer uh, that he appealed to the PRB, this uh, Bob King uh, retiree, uh, but they said that uh, he should not have brought an article, and I'm paraphrasing this because I don't have it exactly in front of me. He said he, he may not have, uh, uh, it was uh, improper for him to bring Article 31 charges, and the preferred remedy was an Article 33 appeal. And he had that at his uh, uh, command. He, he was able to do an Article 33 appeal. And that was their decision. Now, this is an Article 33 appeal on a position that he could not vote for or hold. Yet still, he had the ability to appeal under Article 33 this which he was unable to vote for under Article 6, Section 19, as referenced in Article 45. So um, uh, that meant that retirees, regardless if they're allowed to vote on something, retain, according to the IEB's decision that was confirmed by the Public Review Board, that the preferred remedy is an Article 33 appeal by this retiree, or any retiree for that matter, because that's a precedent. So a retiree, even though you may not vote on something, as indicated in Article 6, Section 19, as soon as the vote is done, it turns into a democratic decision under the Ethical Practices Code, 
you are obliged to participate. All members are obliged to participate in democratic decisions. So once the vote is done, a retiree may participate in that democratic decision. They're they're obliged to do so. And because PRB 1499 actually says it's a preferred remedy to appeal, those who say that Article 6, Section 19 says we may not vote for appeal are absolutely incorrect. Absolutely incorrect. And the fact that somebody actually wrote that a retiree, by appealing, violated the Constitution, in their letter actually violated the Constitution, subject to charges under Article 31. There's been a 140-page appeal written on this with 53 exhibits, 53 pages of exhibits. We're going to see where this one goes. We're going to see where this May one I goes. May I ask I'm not going to get into more detail than that, but go ahead, Tom. What's your question? Yeah, I mean, to me, this, this seems to be uh, discriminating against uh, the retiree group of, uh, of folks who are having this language put into contract that we have no voice in that only affects us at this particular time and the handful of uh, active people who are traditional employees that are looking forward to having attention. And, and it sounds like to me it, it comes down to selective enforcement against us as retirees my people who are supposed to be protecting our rights, not going against them. I don't know. Maybe maybe they're looking out for somebody else's best interest rather than ours, and I ain't going to mention the name. I think you know what direction I'm going here and what I feel about this. Some people's pensions are growing, and ours is not going anywhere, uh, regardless of what the, the 401Ks and stock market's doing. And uh, I, I know our pensions based on on uh, uh, based on the fact that uh, we lost our cola back in '09 or '08, and uh, uh, you could speak better on that. I think you you had uh, firsthand knowledge of, of that procedure, but uh, right. the selective enforcement yeah, I, I, I was part, part and from us. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah, right. I was part and parcel of trying to <laughs> forestall or. Uh, stop, forestall, or adjust in a positive way the VEBA that turned, and I, and I wrote an 83-page appeal to the Department of Labor asking that they not honor a waiver of the Enron rule and put our stock in the VEBA for the health care VEBA. Uh, that was not, you know, I mean, this is just like a kangaroo court. You know, they're going to do what they want to do, Right. So they did it. Now we have stock in, in our Viva. It's, it, they're selling it off little by little, but it's still based on stock in our Viva. And it hasn't gone up with the stock market, by the way. Okay? 
So um, that's interesting in and of itself. Where did all that money go that you know should have had a little appreciation? But I want to get back to this Pension Protection Act of 2006. It is the law of the land. It was passed by uh, the Congress, uh, the House, the Republican-controlled House and a Republican-controlled Senate uh, in 2006 and signed by the Republican president in 2006, George W. Bush. And it says, in fact, that pension funding that falls below 80% will be cut to the lesser of 50% 50% of your pension for the PBGC. And the PBGC is always going to be greater than 50% of our pension. Okay, so that's 50% of your pension if the funding falls below 80%. That's for GM, Ford, and FCA. And then if it falls below 60%, the funding for the pension, it gets cut by 100%. No pension. And God help us, maybe the PBGC may kick in at that time, if it even exists at that time. And the corporation making billions of dollars has been left off the hook because they've been, GM has been relieved of funding the pension. Now, it isn't bad enough that it's federal law. Now, remember remember the Constitution of the UAW says that, Article 2, Section 4, in part, to enforce existing laws and to work to repeal those which are unjust to labor. I can't think of anything more unjust to labor than to cut your damn pension in, in half or, or eliminate it. Yet and still, powers of be negotiated and approved an agreement that put that in there. And that went in in 2015, whereupon I made an appeal that said, you allowed parties who are not a part of the pension plan to vote on the pension plan and did not allow parties in the pension plan to vote on the pension plan. In fact, you incentivized certain parties, 23% of those eligible to vote, with $50,000 over the life of the agreement to vote to put that in the agreement and other things to approve the agreement, which included that. I ask that we have voting rights for retirees on those items exclusive to us as a part of another appeal or resolution, rather, in the next agreement. I'm sorry, the next uh, Constitutional Convention. That did not get approved. So we've been doing some pretty cool things out here for the retirees, trying at least. Okay? And then when this came up, you know, I appealed. This particular, there's three elements of the appeal. One was the temporaries. We talked about it on the show till we were, till we were blue in the face. 18 months ago before the agreement every week we talked about it we said the, the, the work permits for temporary workers right no greater than nine, the three consecutive months Jeff went over that I can't tell you how many times he went over the same thing with Appendix K making management making us 
required to make management competitive. Okay. Now that doesn't mean, you know, uh, that you know we should say, you know, we have incentives in profit sharing. We have incentives as as members to make sure that our company, you know, remains viable. Okay. I can remember going out and saying, hey, let's get our company, uh, you know, a thirty-four million dollar tax abatement. Now, you may, whether you like them or don't like them, it's probably one of the reasons General Motors stayed in Lansing because they got that damn tax abatement. They were going to leave Lansing. I'm not talking about getting this work or that work, but I'm talking about staying in the city of Lansing or in you know the 420, what's called the 425 that's uh, in other areas, but it's considered the city of Lansing. You got a $34 million tax abatement. And the mayor came to me on Tuesday morning and said, I can't get it. The industrial arm of the Chamber of Commerce can't get it. The city council won't approve it. You're the cap coordinator and the chair of the Democratic Party. It's on your shoulders to save the, the city of Lansing and keep General Motors in it. But they leave, we're done. It's on your shoulders alone. Now, there's a real spot to be in, right? $34 million, get it, or the company that you work for is leaving town. Told to me by Mayor Hollister at a fundraiser when I was walking down the stairs out of a fundraiser at 6 a.m. in the morning. I had been up to 11 o'clock at meetings the previous night. Had a fundraiser at six. We finished that up, and I was walking downstairs, and he met me at the bottom of the stairs waiting for me. I don't even know how the hell he knew I was there. He says, I got to get to Leroy. Well, he got to me. And I put a plan together, talked to the rest of the team, and they agreed, and we put it together and implemented it. By Thursday night, we had buy-in from the city council at their committee at a whole to get them the $34 million tax saving General Motors. And on Monday, they voted to approve it the following month. By the way, this happened to be 1996, the week prior the Tuesday prior, seven days, seven days to Clinton's re-election. Not like I was doing a little bit of other stuff, too, in order to try and help the election process. I had to stop everything and work on saving the city. So I'll put my two cents worth up against anybody trying to help the company making them more competitive but that didn't put it in black letter print saying we have to make it competitive because that changes the game when you do that in a very negative way that I will not discuss on open air But that's Appendix K. And then, of course, I appealed the uh, uh, pension, uh, the pension Protection Act 
being in our agreement. The first time I, I, I raised hell about it, you know, we didn't even have a chance to vote on it. That was in 15 when they put it in there. And they'd already relieved the corporation after 2008 of any further uh, liability for the, corp- for the pensions of General Motors. I can't find it in the Ford and Chrysler agreements, but it is in the General Motors agreement. So, brothers and sisters, when you see the stock market going down, the snapshot day that you hear me talking about, or our team here talking about, uh, uh, on September 30, and I usually post it out, you know, reminding everybody September 30 is a snapshot day for your retiree, uh, your pension, and that's the day when they take a snapshot and see if it's above or below 80% or 60%. And they may have to do something with our pension. Now, there's people that are just plenty happy the way this, this is at right now. Just exactly what it, what it is. They actually negotiated it and they're happy with it. They approved it. Virtually every president and chairperson, when they went to the leadership meeting, approved it as well with the sole exception likely of Tim, Tim O'Hara from Lordstown, who said he wasn't going to vote for other reasons, but he didn't vote for it. And he's a retiree holding the office of president of the local union and voted on the temporary agreement. Something the letter said that I couldn't do or any retiree do. It depends on the circumstances of your local union. Certainly FCA, the president, actually functions in the uh, chain, the the steps of adjusting grievances. So they're ineligible to be retired. Retirees are ineligible to hold that office because of that. And there is a PRB decision 1283 exclusive to FCA, used to be Daimler Chrysler, that says that. It doesn't apply to anybody else, Ford, GM, or any of the other uh, units, unless they have grievance handling uh, responsibilities for the president. So I know I'm getting a little long-winded. I'm a little pissed about all this, quite frankly. First of all, we're all members with retirees. Are full have full rights, full membership rights with five exceptions. You may not hold or vote for an office that handles local union grievances, limited only to local union. International Executive Board, a retiree can run for any one of them. It's not a local union, is it? The next thing is you may not vote to start or stop a strike. And the last one is you may not vote on a ratification vote, subject to uh, Article 19, Section 3. But that could be changed to say that just like skilled trades, items exclusive to them may be voted on. Items exclusive to retirees could be changed to say that. And we're going to work to get that happen in the next constitutional convention. 
there's a lot of things that are going on that we haven't been involved in so much other than in behind the scenes recently that we're going to start ramping up after November 3rd. Because what's going on is absolutely unacceptable. And we'll get into more and more of what that is. But we're into this one here tonight. You see, the Constitution says to enforce existing laws and to repeal those which are unfair to labor. That Pension Protection Act has no business in our agreement because it's unfair to labor. And even if they say it has to be in the agreement, it ain't going in the agreement because it's unfair to labor. doesn't cost management a damn thing one way or the other. Only thing is, it's automatic. Even if they change the law in Congress under a new administration and get it signed and repealed, it's still in our agreement and would be automatic without any ability for appeal to the federal government. Because they already changed the law. It'd be automatic because it's in our agreement. Those are the geniuses running our union right now. And they have actually put the very viability of our union at risk with their genius. And I am pissed because I love this union and I want to be around for a long time. But they've done things in the three elements that I just spoke about that put our union at risk, and I'm not going to get into detail on it. The very ability to continue as a union is at risk because of these stupid-ass, ignorant people running our union. And every last one of you that is running around saying, I'm just doing what I'm told, are just as guilty as they are. There's a change coming, brothers and sisters. And you rest assured that the people running this union will not be there after June of 2022. Tom is intimately aware of what I've talked about. And you hear his anger as well. Jeff is as well. We're pissed. Our team is pissed. Everybody knows what's going on. The membership is going to know what's going on. Because guess what? It's walking its way to the public review board. And it'll be public information by then for all to see and read. You'll see. I guarantee it. And when you see what we have done as a team, and I do the writing, but I don't do it alone. I bounce it off a lot of people before I formulate exactly and specifically what's done. But believe me, this is walking its way to the public view. Because once it gets there, you can read it all. 
and you will be as angry as we are. We have a plan. We've talked about it. We're going to implement it. This ain't over. They think they're trying to hold us down, and there's no way. We will not be denied saving our union. The people that have done this need to be removed. Some need to go to jail beyond those that already went. And for people to say, oh, in government, oh, we're just going to slap them on the hand, put oversight in for a little while, is unacceptable. Grow some kahunas, government. Our union's broken. All it takes is one phone call by the wrong party from the other side of the table, and we're done. And there's not a damn thing we can do about it. And these assholes that are in charge caused that. And there's been years ago, three, four years ago, international staff reps, after this, some of this language hit the agreements, that said, we won't have a union. And we asked them why, and they wouldn't tell us. Well, now we know. Morons are running our union. And morons are advising them to run our union. And management's cajoling them in a way to benefit themselves so that they eventually don't have a union. They just broke the union down in Lordstown, and there's more of that shit coming. A lot more, maybe the whole damn union. And I'm pissed. And don't get near me. Any, any of you, don't get near me. Stay away from me. Because that's how pissed I am. And some of you know that's a good thing to do if I'm pissed is to stay away from me. Because some of you actually know more about me than what's public. Somebody witnessed Gildanello, Senator Gildanello, and that got around town in a fat snap ass hurry. So you know. All right. Anything else, Tom? Uh, I think I'm going to cut it short. It's 8:30, and I'm like, I I've got a whole uh, drawer full of grievances here, and uh, I'm not going to bring any more up tonight. Uh, we've we've said enough, I think, and uh, you're absolutely 100 yeah. percent correct. You know this this uh, injustice that has been done knowingly. Okay, uh, you you used a, an example of the Muremberg trials. You know where they have the ability to say no because anybody with a sense of uh, a a brain in their head would know that a lot of this stuff is totally against the principles of the union movement in regards to what we were formed to to do in protecting the worker in the workplace, not the company in the workplace. 
and you're exactly uh, right in what you had said, but uh, it, it's it's not happening. And uh, drop it, Leroy. Calm down. Have a cup of coffee, and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I'm sorry I brought this up. <laughs> uh, Tom, you know they need to understand how angry we are. You know, not you know the membership needs to understand it. And they need to understand why we're angry, and they can't. We can't tell them until it it gets to where it becomes public information, and then when they get a chance to read that, they can be as angry, and then they can support people who actually cause this to get changed. Well, the, the, the anger part is right, but the, you're absolutely right. They need to get angry. They need to get on the bus that's going in the right direction. This is this is not right. a cause for Tom Leroy or Jeff. This is a cause for the membership as a whole. For the membership. And, and they, that's right. Yeah, and, and this information doesn't get out to people. And I'm sure a lot of people uh, don't even understand that the, the word retire. The, the word retiree comes up about 155 times in the in, in the Constitution. You know, that's done for a purpose. Yeah. It's done for a purpose. Yeah. There is, yeah. When well, you somebody was when you hired about a, 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 yeah, yeah, somebody when was you hired about doing, doing their job. Yeah. Well, well, you you hired into the corporation. You you, you explained to me what happened, and you had. It, Older union member who had been there for years went through the sit-down strike, and they were a source of knowledge. They took you under under their arms, so to speak. They've divided us through the contracts, through the contracts, and, and and we all know what what has happened here. But people do not know how to defend themselves. Hopefully, at the end of your program, you'll say the same thing you do every time at the end of the program. I hope somebody got some value out of what was said here tonight. And there was an awful lot of value going out here tonight on airways. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, there's there's a lot more to what's going on than we than what we talked about this evening. Okay. Uh you're gonna get a chance to read a book. It's two pounds. Started out as eleven pages just to fit in a news in a little envelope. Now it's two pounds, yeah, and, no. and you know it's bound. It's bound. So, um, you know, uh, somebody was complaining about doing their job of uh, processing an appeal. Oh, uh, good luck now, because they get heavier. The next one will be five or six pounds. You know, I'm not screwing around with. Them. Okay. Somebody wrote a letter against me, and every last sentence in the letter violated the Constitution. How'd you like to be that person? Okay. I mean, you know, all they had to do was say, okay, be nice. No, they had to go out there and start trying to ingratiate themselves to the guys that, and women that are running our union right now that have put all this shit in our agreement. That, that, really, really jeopardizes our union existence. And I'm pissed at for doing that. And somebody write a letter against me? Watch and see if I don't break that down line by line. Good luck with that. Is that an elected official? That was an elected official, right. 
they, they need but to I upheld two articles. But but I but I yeah they should exactly. But I upheld to Public Review Board uh, 1499, and rather than bring charges under Article 31, I brought an appeal that is the desired and preferred remedy for such action. Appeal, yet again. Okay, we're not prohibited from writing appeals. Okay, even on things we're barred from or ineligible to vote on, we can write an appeal on the result. Okay, so anyhow, I've said enough. I'd like to say we're 90, 95 minutes in. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm just pissed about this. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Uh, brothers and sisters, you know, we got a long way to go to clean this union up. But we're going to get it done. And the stuff that they're doing, trying trying to prevent it, to protect their interest, and you'll see their interest. You'll see it soon. Ungodly amounts of money. Ungodly amounts of money. You'll see it. They have in their interest, not in ours. Okay. So, well, with that all said, uh, Jeff, you have any comment on on all of this? No, sir. You hit it right on the spot. Okay. I mean, you're as mad as all everybody else, and I, I get on it now and then. You know, everybody thinks, well, Leroy's too laid back. Well, bullshit. I'm not too laid back. I'm as in your face as anybody when it's necessary. And to save our union, it's necessary. The rest of them don't even know the element that I'm talking about, let alone try to fix it. You, can, you know, Aristotle said, a problem defined is a problem half solved. Unless you even know it's a problem, you can't fix it. And everybody else running around beating their chest, wanting to do this and that, run for this and run for that, they don't even know it exists. It'll shock them when they see it, when it's in the public review board. But it came from this entity. Okay. So having said all of that, uh, you know, uh, Next Saturday is Halloween, and, you know, I, I just want to address, keep your kids safe. It's COVID time. I don't know how everybody's going to do Halloween during COVID. I don't have little kids running around. I, you know, I just don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, please try and find some way to keep your kids safe during COVID as they Halloween, however that's going on. I don't know how you do that. I, I really don't. Uh, and, you know, also Saturday, is October 31st, is the Saturday where you turn your clocks back. Remember, spring ahead, fall behind. But that's going to happen this Saturday, uh, next Saturday night, uh, October 31st. So remember to turn your clocks back. Also, everybody, please vote. You know, vote early if you can. If you don't know if you're going to be sick on Election Day, I have people saying, well, I like voting Election Day. I do it all the time. Well, I have, but this year I voted early. God knows what's going to happen on Election Day either. So let's just try and get it done early. I don't care who you vote for. If you've been listening to us, you probably think we're all half half, uh, crazy about this election going on. But it's in our best interest to vote and vote for our interests in this election. So you vote for however you want to vote. I'm not going to tell you how. I never have. Okay. 
if you've listened to all the stuff and you can't vote in your own interest, then so be it. Okay? So, having said all of that, Tom and Jeff, do you have any closing remarks? Go with Jeff first. Good night, everyone. Have a safe week. Okay, Tom. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Uh, and uh, Jeff, good luck. Uh, we'll be uh, waiting on you in a couple months. So, uh, good luck. <laughs> More football. I think we play. We play. Uh, we play Sparty next week. Yeah. I ain't saying Jeff, nothing. I'm, I ain't saying nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Leroy. Answer that one. I'm I, I'm I'm just I'm I'm the scorekeeper. I don't participate anymore. If I did, we'd win. <laughs> go blue. Yeah. Go, go green. I, I get get a, get a shout out. I got some really good friends that played national champions and and Big Ten champions running around here. So I, uh, I'm. Um, I've turned into green, but I, I I have a lot of respect for the blue and for the uh, crimson. So, um, uh, so uh, Jeff, I hope you uh, uh, continue to get better with your uh, malady that you had, a temporary malady, uh, you know, and uh, uh, you know a lot of people praying for you through that. Seems like that worked for you as well. So. And Tom, you you hang in there. I know you got your grandkids there nipping at the uh, the uh, hem of your pants, there, you know, so uh, the cuff of your pants. So you uh, you keep them all straight down there as well. And and uh, for uh, as we close this out, uh, thanks to all our global listeners, to the Canada and Mexico listeners, the U.S. Union and non-union workers who are listeners. All of our UAW listeners, thank you very much for listening. We got a lot of work to do, and there's some there's some things that are really putting our union in jeopardy that got to be fixed. Uh, if you found value in this show, please tell just one more person about us. Have fun. Stay safe in the coming week. God bless each and every one of you. Good night, listeners. Good night, Tom. Good night, Jeff. Good night. Good night. Good night.